0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. My name is Brian Dott from whiteandbluereview.com. Joining me tonight on the podcast, and I can't remember what episode number this is, I'll have to look this up after the show, but Matt DeMarinis and Joey Tempo on the episode tonight. Matt, Joey, how are you guys doing?
1: Doing good,
2: Brian. How are you?
0: Good. Joey? Yeah, don't, I'm great. Don't all, do, do, don't all jump up very, at once.
2: Come <laughs> doing on. Doing very I was well. I was okay. I'm very Joe. excited. Okay. Now. You know, Matt's the guy here, so I'm just right. His lead. This the Blue Jay
0: Bites podcast featuring Matt T and two other guys. Two
2: other <laughs> pretty much how it is.
0: All right, guys, this, is, jo- a- this
1: is Joey's episode I? I'm That kidding. is true.
0: This is.
2: I'm, I'm I'm excited. I got lots to spill. I got hey, lots to share.
0: Joey's busting at the seams, so he's mm-hmm. got a brand new baby at home too. So he's excited to just talk to other adults right now. So
2: exactly. I had to catch in a lot of chips just to get this hour <laughs> off with you. Guys right. To- Right. I have to do a lot of diaper duty tonight, so uh, I'm excited to get this going.
0: We'll make it work yeah. through a while. Um, obviously, I'm a sure. lot's happened uh, since we last talked with you all, Jays fans. Uh, I'm sure none of us are quite over the early exit in the NCAA tournament by the uh, created Blue Jays men's basketball team. The women, they claimed a game and then lost uh, out at Pauley Pavilion to UCLA. We've had some baseball to kind of buoy our uh, our our uh, – our, our uh, our fandom a little bit. The baseball team's been doing all right this weekend, not uh, withstanding. But really, um, I'd be remiss if we didn't just jump right into all the personnel topics surrounding men's basketball. We've had uh, Ronnie Harrell Jr. decide to go play his graduate year back home in the Denver area for Denver University. We've got Kyrie Thomas, uh, for all intents and purposes, on the fence Uh, He declared for the draft, did not hire an agent, Um, and we've got just a host of recruiting targets uh, among the graduate transfer and regular transfer and high school senior marketplace here with anywhere between two and three scholarship spots for next season already up for grabs. So I'm sure, Joe, you have a ton to uh, update us on about that. Uh, as well as I know you and Matt both have received some, some questions that you guys solicited from our followers on Twitter and Facebook. So, um, Joy, I guess maybe first and foremost, um, kind of where are all the chips laying right now as it relates to um, all these different personnel questions for men's hoops?
2: Yeah, so, uh, you know, as of Sunday night here, um, we have officially two scholarships open uh, for the 2018-2019 season. Um, Creighton's pretty much uh, since the end of the season even before Ronnie Harrell left obviously we still don't know what's going on with Kyrie Thomas um, but it's clear um, they've been targeting a, a shooting guard or a wing uh, I was told that uh, regardless of what Kyrie decides to do, whether he decides to come back or whether he decides to go to the NBA that Creighton will take or will attempt to take uh, a grad transfer wing uh, they have you know, uh, done a remarkable job of uh, being in contact with and flying out to sea and, you know, getting on the, the, the phone with a lot of the, the better or perceived better graduate transfers. Um, I think at the top of that list is uh, the player who was here this weekend and Joe, Joe Cremo. Uh, he's a uh, six foot four, six foot five uh, wing guard uh, who can also handle the ball a little bit. Uh, he played at Albany. Uh, I'll be honest, obviously I didn't see any of his games. I've watched a little bit of his film. Um, he's um, highly efficient on the offensive end. He's a competitor on the defensive end. Creighton had him in uh, for an official visit, his first official visit uh, this weekend. Uh, Pretty much every school in the nation called uh, Joe's uh, phone when he decided to to transfer. Uh, I'm talking Duke, Arizona, Cincinnati, uh, Texas. Uh, Pretty much every school had called him to, to reach out to gauge interest. I think on Friday uh, John Rothstein reported that uh, Joe was down to to five schools: Oregon, Gonzaga, Texas, Penn State, and Creighton, and he was going to officially visit Creighton uh, this weekend. Um, uh, when when you, when we talk about uh, what what the needs are for next year, a lot of the local radio hosts have kind of touched on it too. Uh, there's a there's a chance, and our audience knows this obviously, but there's a chance we'll be having to replace approximately 35 points, you know, 36 points from the backcourt alone. Uh, moving into next season, if Kyrie decides to leave, um, and so I think when you, you know, survey the graduate transfers out there and the, the better players, they they see an opportunity to play in a fun system in front of a lot of fans in the Big East, um, and there's points to be had uh, uh, on the roster next year. So, um, of course, somebody who's highly efficient, uh, Cremo shoots the three at about a forty-five percent clip. Uh, I think he averaged about seventeen or eighteen points last year. He had a really good good backcourt mate at Albany that ended up going to he graduate transfer to Florida State. Um, just a few days ago. So, uh, Cremo is definitely, um, Creighton's top target at this point. Um, again, it's about nine o'clock on Sunday. And we, we've yet to hear anything. Um, I've reached out to the staff and some people close to the program. Um, obviously, uh, they say the visit went well. Uh, they say that, uh, Cremo actually shot, uh, uh ex- better than expected. Uh, in the uh, pickup games and the practices or not practices, but the uh, you know, you know, free open gyms that they'd had. They thought that um, not only are his skills good, but uh, he was better than expected shooting the three. So uh, I think he would fit in perfectly well uh, with Creighton next year, whether Kyrie comes back or not. Uh, this guy I think would be optimally placed in a lineup next to Kyrie Thomas, um, somebody who can stretch the floor, uh, he'll he he's willing to make up another pass. So if Kyrie does come back, he'll be the focal point of our offense. And Cremo is a good uh, secondary weapon uh, going forward. Here, um, the difficult thing is, you know, if if Kyrie does leave, uh, I don't know if Krimo is the lockdown defender that necessarily. Well, obviously, he's not the lockdown defender Kyrie is. I just think there might be some other better options um, if we're having to replace Kyrie Thomas specifically. Um, and that kind of leads me to the, the next couple players that we're on is Zach Johnson, who's a guard from Florida Gulf coast and Matt Mooney, who's a uh, guard from South Dakota. Uh, both of those players are, uh, same position as, as Cremo, uh, maybe a little smaller, uh, in height, but, um, a little bit more tenacious on defense. And so, um, if you're asking me who, uh, maybe the best player is to replace, um, Marcus Foster, I would say. Cremo, if he gets to play with Thomas, but if we're having to replace both Kyrie, I think maybe Johnson or Mooney has the athleticism and, and a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of a lockdown defender than, uh, than Cremo is. So, uh, Johnson, uh, Zach Johnson from Florida Gold Coast got here today. He'll be on an un- official visit, uh, until, um, Tuesday, uh, following our visit, uh, Johnson will visit Louisville on an official and then Arizona on an official too. He's already uh, visited Miami as well, so those are kind of the schools looking at Zach Johnson. Um, when I was talking to the staff earlier in the the process, he's not really a name that came up a, a whole lot. Not necessarily that he's not a priority for the staff, just um, they were pretty high on Cremo and Mooney when I was talking to some of the guys close to the staff. So um, uh, those, you know, I think I think Johnson uh, has a little bit of his Justin Carter to his game. He's he's very well built. Um, he enjoys getting, or you know, getting into the lane and getting contact and finishing with contact. Um, he's at Florida Gulf Coast, so obviously he's prone to the uh, high flying dunk kind of thing. You know, that's their thing down there. But he shoots the three about a forty percent uh, rate too. So, uh, so he's another player that I think, you know, when looking at his options, thinks that gosh, I- I'm gonna put up some points and-, and be able to get some shots here at Creighton if uh, Kyrie and uh, and obviously Marcus leaves. So. So that's Johnson. And then the last grad transfer I just want to touch on quick is Matt Mooney. He's a uh, you know a six foot three guard from Illinois um, uh, by birth and then uh, played at South Dakota um, and Air Force initially. So he just graduated from South Dakota and just announced t- today on Twitter that he's actually going to leave South Dakota. There was some um, debate as to whether he may- might return based on some of the interest he was receiving from other schools. Um, In some interviews, it sounds like Creighton, Texas Tech, Arizona State, Michigan, and Oregon are kind of the lead uh, schools for his services. And when you go through a lot of these transfers, you'll see the same schools pop up uh, looking for players. So I think it's a pretty good bet that Creighton's going to land one of these three players. I think the staff obviously knows uh, more than we do regarding the Kyrie Thomas situation. So I think they'll be able to accurately assess kind of what their initial needs for next year are. I guess I'm interested to hear what you guys think, uh, you know, uh, if Kyrie does leave, uh, you know, are you looking for more of a, you know, more of a defense offense type player or a guy who's maybe exceptionally, you know, efficient on offense and like a crema. I I guess I'd be interested to hear what you guys think, uh, what the main needs would be if Kyrie were to leave.
1: Well, I just, I think if Kyrie were to leave, maybe I'm um, overvaluing Kyrie, but I just don't think he replaced that. I think. I think the thing that he's really good at is a special type of quality. Like, you can't, it's hard to replace his length, his competitiveness, just um, his anticipation for deflecting passes and getting steals and just hounding guys in general. Um, I think you get
2: more of that with a guy like Mooney or Johnson than Cremo, but you obviously get less of, you know, spacing and ball movement and maybe some of the stuff that Creighton predicates on offense. um, Because Cremo seems like a perfect fit for that kind of offense, but. You know, if you have one, you know, if you have one, you know, if you could only land one of the three, my my question is, you know, Mooney's a very, very good defender for the Summit League, you know, all defensive type player, you know, and Johnson's more more athletic than the other two, I would think, uh, by far. So I kind of, you know, you know, do do you, do you say do a guy like Cremo, you know, hold up? Let me check out Mooney and see where he's at, or you know, do you just take a guy like Cremo if he's willing to commit?
1: Yeah, I think I I I would lean towards taking a guy like Cremo if, if he's willing to commit. I think his experience level, his ability to shoot the basketball, his ability to make plays for others offensively because um, I, I think replacing Marcus Foster would be harder um, than replacing that Kyrie Thomas in terms of you can kind of create teams' concepts and schemes and things like that to cover, to make sure you're still good defensively without necessarily having to search high and low for the next lockdown guy who because it's not exactly easy to find one of those guys, you know. what I mean, you, you think you can find sure. their instincts, but I said, like I said, Kyrie we, had was, the be- we had the We had the special in terms of his ability to to do that, and it had to develop. But I mean, I don't think there's anybody on the market that can replace that. So I think sure. for, Oh, absolutely. I think yeah, you look right. for the guy who can replace Marcus Foster's production, and then you hope that Tyshawn Alexander um, can take a jump defensively um, because he showed flashes of being a guy that can check somebody one-on-one. And then you also have Damian Jefferson um, who has set out his transfer year from New Mexico and has been getting, you know, every single month by month he improved. Um, he's a completely different player than he was when he first got here. And he's got, you know, 6'5", six, six, six frame and really long, really athletic. So I think you've got some options that can um, create havoc defensively that can kind of replace or can attempt to replace what you might lose if, if Kyrie does – ultimately um, to point, Yeah, I mean, the whole team draft,
0: needs to so. take bigger steps on defense. I mean, we had the yeah. defensive player year in the Big East back-to-back years and didn't win an NCAA tournament game. Mm-hmm. And a defensive player like Patton, too. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. mean, let's be honest. So you need somebody to go out and get Marcus's point total probably, right? Yeah. Because yeah. that's what – if you look at every one of the top-level Big East teams since we've been in this league – They've had at least one guy that could go get you 20 a night, and Mm -hmm. you need to have that. So, um, you know, I think the experience part is a plus. Uh, I kind of wanted to hijack the conversation, too, because I want to know what you guys think about – you know, it's one thing for us to say our our facilities help us immensely when we're showing off our school to a bunch of high schoolers. But when you go and bring a kid in to look at – you know, I know it doesn't necessarily always happen with the transfers, right? It's us going to them versus them coming here um, all the time or whatever. You know, what's it like if uh, – like nothing against Albany, right? But I, I can't imagine that they've got the facilities that we have. So if you've got a kid that's been in school and let's say a Cremo kid comes in and – uh And he sees what we've got to offer. I mean, what's that like? Like, is that just a total flip of the switch for these pursuits? And it's you know our yeah. I mean,
2: a little bit of backstory on him specifically. I mean, he never took an official. You know, right? You know, I think in the Albany area. So, I mean, the kid wasn't recruited out of high school. He he never took an official visit. He kind of was, you know, obviously not a main guy for Albany, but turned into a, a, you know, a legit uh, player, obviously an all league type player in his conference and, you know, guy who has NBA aspirations. So, um, you know, in interviews where I've heard him, I mean, he's just soaking this all up, which is, which is great. I mean, to have have schools like Oregon, Gonzaga, Texas, Duke, you know, yada, 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 calling you on your phone. I mean, that's gotta be humbling. And, and uh, something he's obviously earned with his hard work. So, obviously i would imagine that you know coming to creighton in omaha nebraska you have your reservations even if you're from scotia new york you know omaha's you know just a blip on the map probably to him too but i'm sure once he gets here he's probably pretty impressed and creighton obviously has pretty good facilities that said i mean if he makes it out to oregon or gonzaga or texas i mean you know those places as well have unbelievable right uh, resources and in polls so the the hope is obviously he never makes it out of there and he's talked a lot about fit Creighton was on him right away uh, you know I just think efficiency wise his analytic stats which you know I'm getting more into as I follow this stuff closely and his analytic numbers are are unbelievable uh, I think in the 2018 season uh, a couple of the Ken Palm ratings have him as a top 100 player they had Kyrie at like about a 91 when he combined offense and defense so take that for what you will but I think he was 101st in the nation and in his total offense-defense numbers. So, I mean, the guy would really benefit from playing under Mack. Um, So, you know, it'll be interesting what happens. I don't think he'd get as much playing time at a place like Gonzaga. I think they're already stacked in the backcourt. Obviously, they can use him, but I don't think he gets the minutes in Gonzaga. Texas has uh, McDonald's All-Americans. Oregon's losing a lot, and that that could be a real big player for his services. That said, Oregon's on a lot of other targets, grad transfers and Uh, that Tony Carr is going to the draft, and you know maybe he picks up the slack there. But you know when you look at his his strengths, I just think that they fit in perfectly to to somebody like to to a system like Creighton. So hopefully the, the facilities combined with you know max and in, intense pursuit of him and and his ability to be sold on where his role would be. Um, I guess my question that I've been mulling over with with any of these players is, like you were talking about, everybody turning up their intensity on defense. How much of a role does a grad transfer Uh, step over a guy like Alexander, does that hurt Balik's development or, or Thomas or uh, Alexander's development? You know, those guys were poised to make big roles uh, after this year. Does a guy like Krimo come in and take 35 minutes a game? Does that, does that stunt Alexander's growth? Is that something we should be worried about too? Or Balik's Uh, growth? You know, I think those guys just, you know, deserve a better look, you know, yeah, you know, so
1: yeah that was that got really loaded at the end there um i think uh (laughs) you're the one
0: has
2: to see him every day matt no (laughs) yeah no i I don't mean that these guys are unhappy i just mean that you know you know if you were to bring in one or two grad transfers you know how much does that alter the makeup of your locker room and of your team i mean all we heard at the end of the year was you know a guy like mitch ballack really stepped up into a leadership role on the team you don't want to you know, you don't want to stunt that with bringing in hired guns for a year and, and change that culture kind of stuff. And I had heard uh, some of the local guys, because they cover the summit here, uh, talking about Mooney and, you know, he's, he's, he's you know, he can rub people the wrong way. And I'm not saying that he wouldn't fit in at Creighton. I think we need a couple players that maybe wrong, rub people the wrong way on the court. Uh, you just wonder how much, you know, their personalities, you know, if they collide with some of the players over their weekend visits, you know, does that make that big of a difference?
1: Yeah, well, I think that's one of the things that is part of the evaluation process, and certainly why you bring these guys on for for visits, so you can get them around your current roster, and you know, get them going out in social activities, and get them playing together in open gyms, and that's that stuff's part of the evaluation process. Um, So I don't, I think if they thought there were potential chemistry issues or a potential for someone to be disgruntled, um, that would go into whether they want them there at Creighton or not so yeah that's a whole big <laughs> that's that's a big giant box to open up I think once you bring them on board I think you're pretty confident in their ability to get along with everybody and um at that point you just you hope that for the best because you hope then that once they face adversity in the season they can all get through it together because at that point you think you figure they all get along anyway so um, that's just my take on your last point about how um, how well they might fit in with uh, a young core. But in terms of Bryant's original question, I guess, um, <clears throat> excuse me, about uh, facilities and things like that, I don't know, and feel free to disagree, I don't know if that matters as much to guys in that position. And, an example of that is Ronnie Harrell. <clears throat> Ronnie Harrell is essentially um, forfeiting the advent, the advantages that he has at Creighton in terms of facilities to kind of gamble on himself a little bit and play in a system that he thinks will be, um, you know, will have him be more of a ball dominant type of player and one that can showcase his skills better for the professional level. And I think that's what a lot of the grad transfers are looking for. It's just that perfect fit where they can just have an explosive, um, you know, one last season at, at the college level where they can get on a big stage and have a lot of eyeballs watching them and a lot of scouts. Well, I mean, I don't know how many scouts are going out to Albany to watch, you know, to watch Cremo if he's just facing a regular conference matchup. But if there's other NBA prospects um, in that game, you know, it's easier for scouts to, you know, show up and watch and evaluate. Sure. I think that's kind of what goes into a lot of that decision. What goes into that decision for a lot of those grad transfers, and certainly we've seen it with Ronnie. That's why he's leaving. That's the main reason. Um, so I don't know how much facilities will make a difference. I think it's more about the system, the fit, and how well that whatever whoever that player is thinks they can have um, you know their best put their best foot forward their final season at college level.
0: What about the guys that aren't grad transfers, Joey?
2: So Creighton's in on a couple again wing guards. Um, Malachi Flynn is a uh, kind of a combo guard, six-one from Washington State. Uh, put up excellent numbers on a on a pretty poor team for the last couple years. Again, like uh, some of these other guys, lightly recruited out of high school, but kind of burst onto the scene. Uh, was given playing time and took the most of it. So. Uh, he, he has said he's just tired of losing at Washington state for the most part. And so he's leaving, <laughs> leaving his, that area. He's from the Pacific Northwest. Um, and some of the teams that are on him are Texas A&M, Baylor, Gonzaga, again, Nevada, St. John's, Virginia tech. Uh, he's visiting Creighton for his first official visit, uh, next weekend, uh, the 19th and 28th. Uh, so he'll be now here I, next weekend. Am I
1: crazy or is he not one of the most talented guys on the board? I mean, I feel like he should be getting more transfer attention than he is, I guess is what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, you know, he seems like the kind of kid that's not very uh active in promoting himself. Uh, right, that's I get, what I get that. So I, yeah. I think that peop and you know, I think when you get when you're uh, a Washington State cougar and you're playing on the Pac twelve network at one AM East Coast time, I just don't think a lot of the national guys get to see him play much. And I, I haven't seen him play much either. I think he was on the team that we played last year in the Uh, what was it? Didn't we play Washington state in the Cayman Island? I remember him a little bit. I think when we played them, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but he he's, you know, he's a wily guard. He, you know, he can score in the lane. He's uh, he's not the uh, most efficient shooter, but I think at Washington state he was asked to do an awful lot. Uh, And I think he definitely improved his game. Um, And again, uh, the, uh, the other main guy we're after is Kobe McEwen. He's a uh, Utah state, six foot four, six foot five, another combo guard. Um, mm-hmm. More of a more of a volume shooter from from there. He's listed Creighton, Marquette, and Grand Canyon in his final three. Hasn't taken any official visits yet. Hasn't set up any official visits yet. But Creighton's been out there a couple times uh, to see him. Uh, he's Can- uh originally from Canada. Uh, was uh, you know a pretty big prep recruit uh, that Utah State landed.
0: Uh oh. The Google Hangout monster might have gotten Joe. What's that? Uh, at, well, least you can, at least repeat that. You... Repeat what you just hey. said. The Google Hangout monster got you.
2: Hey. Oh, do you hear me now. Yeah. Brian? Hello. There we go. At least
1: we got a. At least we got a complete sentence out
2: of him. Hey, can you hear? Can you hear me? Yeah,
1: yeah. go for it. Repeat what you just uh, said.
2: Okay. So yeah, I was just saying McEwen is a uh, all freshman of the year from that from that U- from Utah State's league. I, I, the Mountain West, I think they're in. And so he's from Toronto originally, pretty big prep recruit for Utah State, um, and a, a guy that's definitely looking to to graduate to a bigger uh, conference uh, per se, which is what kind of interesting. They have, he has Grand Canyon on the uh, uh, his final three, but hasn't had any official visits yet. I'm still looking to set that up. I know Creighton really really likes him. He's a sit one play two guy, just as Flynn is. Um, but again, I, I kind of just regurgitate the question: How much does a guy like Flynn or McEwen? take away from you know a solid backcourt uh process you know future of ballick and, and you know if if either one of those were to commit to creighton they would join the class of jefferson alexander and ballick and so there yeah. there's you know there's five guys you know there's four guys that are you know guys that are wanting to get minutes and so you you really wonder uh where all those minutes would come from and i've asked that of the staff and they've told me that they want talent in the backcourt yeah and they that, that, that does not bother them whatsoever. Because I was kind of well, like, well, where are all these minutes getting to the, split?
1: Go back, to the, go back to the Marcus Foster, Maurice Watson Jr. thing. I mean, they kept bringing guys in when they thought, you know, you, you brought Marcus Foster in when you're trying to develop Kyrie Thomas and when Isaiah Zierd is trying to graduate and you think, okay, well, how do we find minutes there? They You would think they all put the same position. Well, you move Kyrie to the three, you split time with Marcus and Z, and Marie well, runs the show. I mean, that, I yeah, think they a good job of kind of like juggling the personalities as far as loading up on the same position and, you know, and then trying to sort it out from there. I, I think whether you agree with that, I guess whether it, it, it all depends on if you agree with that philosophy or not, but I don't think they've been afraid to load up on certain positions. No.
2: And, yeah. You know, and make, guys, make guys They're
1: compete right. for the spots, I guess. Yeah. I
2: mean, they, they've sold it really well. I mean, they haven't had as much attrition as other schools that have talent you know in in their and in, in their underclassmen you know grades but but you know I, I just i you know and i'm all for adding any talent we can i just i just know that if you're transferring from washington state or utah state to come to the big east you want minutes and if you're sold on zagorowski to get point guard minutes from day one you're looking at ballick and alexander who got pretty primetime roles you know from their freshman year jefferson's a guy that you bring in maybe he doesn't get as much playing time as you know, other other players but you know they've they've invested in him and then you think you know you just wonder where all these you know you know what what these selling points are to some of these players because obviously mm-hmm. creighton adding a flynn or a McEwen is is an excellent i mean those guys might be the best transfers on the market right now and so to be involved with both of them is 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 like i said it's remarkable how well the staff has done um getting in touch and, and, and selling their vision to these guys It just when you look at it you don't want to you know, you don't want to squeeze out any of these players or, or the playing time. But, but you're right. Maybe Creighton's really leaning on going to a, a four-guard lineup with a Mitch Ballack at a four. Um, and maybe that's, you know, if, if they liked that th- this year, um, then, then I can easily see a, a couple years down the road where you're getting minutes for Flynn or McEwen at the point or the two, and you got Zigarowski at the one and, and Alexander at the two. And, you know, that would work in that scenario. So uh, just something to think about. Obviously, I'm all for adding as, as good of players as we can having these guys come here, sit out a year and then, um, and then play two really does help, uh, you know, the outlook for Creighton long-term because a lot of the guys we spoke about initially, you know, they're just one, one year and gone. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, I mean, again, kudos to to the staff. I know with D rock leaving, uh, and you know, Murphy obviously was getting lots of looks at, at Rhode Island and some other jobs. There was a lot of, uh, there was a lot up in the air the last couple of weeks on, on Creighton staff. And, uh, for them to to not only survive that time by keeping their recruits, which other schools can't say, and uh, and and be involved in so many really good players, uh, it's it's really <laughs> a credit to just how well McDermott and Coach Huss and Coach Murphy are respected nationally. So,
0: which yeah, other a... schools can't say? That was. I good. mean, I don't want to s- nice. I don't want to
2: say any school <laughs> in particular, good. but there's some other schools that are are, are really hurting over the last couple of days. <sighs> that was some so good. Leaving so. <laughs>
0: That made me so happy.
2: I mean, you know, we heard uh, everything uh, for the uh, last three months about how good some. Of them...
0: Well, Joey, oh, we're losing him again. Google Hangout monster got him again. Well,
2: it's
1: like as soon as, soon as Hunter, as soon as Hunter left, uh, um, I can't. Remember, I can't remember who I texted, but I said Xavier Johnson. Peace. But Xavier Johnson and, and Copeland. Back then, but yeah, no, that yeah, Copeland's the other guy to watch right now because, but but well, Xavier Johnson was like the first call. It was Like, as soon as Hunter. As soon as those rumors started, I was like, Xavier Johnson is not staying in Nebraska. Can you understand there.
2: Which is really interesting because I've I've talked, you know, I, you know, I've asked people close to the team, you know, like if, if a guy like Murphy were to get Rhode Island, do we lose a guy like Alexander or Zagorowski? Does he go to Rhode Island? And I was told emphatically no. Those guys are sold on our part.
1: Is, yeah, Zegarowski is a little different. He has a really good uh, relationship with Mac. so.
2: Yeah, but but shouldn't should um, Xavier Johnson? That's my point. That's my point is um, that, like. You know,
1: well, no. You, you, actually. you should. I don't think you, people like playing for Miles. You know, all, you know,
2: the assistant coaches present players, build relationships, and they present them to the head coach, and the head coach seals the deal. And you know, obviously, that's not what goes on everywhere. Let's just say so. God, that's
0: great. Um,
1: I mean, I think, I think Miles. I think Miles is. I don't even think it's a reputation anymore. I think it's pretty much like he
2: kind of wears on people. Well, and I, I'll be honest. You, you've I, heard you about know,
1: you've heard about like Siobhan Shields. Does he like the way? Like Siobhan Shields didn't sound like he enjoyed his time at Nebraska. Like Pedaway and Pitchford, Pitchford, yeah, I mean, lower, trying to kick the door down for crying out loud to get out of there. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to spend
2: any more time on it than we have to. I mean, yeah, that's his, true. His con- his contract yeah, situation hurts him,
1: but like he he yeah. locked the players out. Like that's not
0: yeah. We don't need <laughs> there's enough podcasts about Nebraska sports.
2: Yeah, no kidding. kidding. On to bigger so,
0: okay, so just oh. Google Hangout Monster. Matt, we have to have a go-to uh, thing to talk about when, when Joey gets tripped up by the monster.
1: Oh, yeah? Oh yeah. I think can can you hear
0: me? Oh, monster. Here, we goes.
2: Yep. here we go. I was just going to say, I think we'll hear a lot over the next week or so based on um, who we're bringing in and kind of how things filter down.
0: I mean, Ky- Kyrie has until when exactly? Is it the end of May? Yeah. Is it the end of June
1: I... 11th, I thought, right?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think we'll be waiting until June eleventh to hear Jeez. on some of these players. You don't think we will? I, I, no, no, no. Kyrie, maybe, but I think that we'll be. Oh yeah, the,
1: oh, I, I think
2: I think we will have. Yeah. I think we'll have signed one or two of these guys before then.
1: Yeah, the transfers will be.
2: Yeah, they'll be sorted whoever, before that.
1: Creighton is getting or not? They'll be they'll be set before you, so I, I mean, you can workout, already. I think their summer workouts. So if I'm not mistaken, their summer workouts start June. Yeah, in June. Um, definitely in June before, before the, there's some workouts start before the summer league starts. So like, they're already into that stuff before that's got, yeah, I think it's usually
0: around time, like college so. world series ish time. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah I, I think we'll have, I think the, we'll have one or two have, players yeah, by that camp. So all the, all the transfers will be in the part of that. So, yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, Kyrie, I think he has until June 11th, if I'm not mistaken. And I, and I think it's one of those things that will drag out. Um, just because he's, in, he's not in a position of um, knowing one way or the other, so he kind of has to just go through all the workouts and evaluations to get as honest of an opinion as he's going to get on it and then decide from there. So it's not any fault of his own. I just think it's one of those things where just based on the schedule of all the events that he's going to have to go through to get an evaluation, um, it might be later than sooner. And that's just how I feel about it, but... You know, he's yeah, a different guy. I mean, maybe, it doesn't maybe, hurt maybe him. He gets, maybe he gets, maybe he gets maybe he gets the evaluation and just says there's enough guys in this draft that <clears throat> have similar skill sets and things like that, or there's enough guards that you know might over overshadow some of the things that I do, and um, where he won't feel as confident about his first round position and come back right away. I don't know. Maybe he'll know that after the first after the combine, but we'll see. Yeah, man. But I think he's going to give himself a fair shake, you know what I mean? I think he's going to try to get as much information as possible before he decides.
0: Right, I mean, it's not like he doesn't know what he's coming back to if he decides to head back to the hilltop, I mean.
1: Exactly. And you got to factor there's some things that are working against him here. He is already four years out of high school. Yeah. Um, And then there's also things like his skill set, how much different is it going to be? A year from now, when he comes out, and for you know, without any other options, so right. You
2: know, his numbers, his numbers will be his numbers will be better next year in our offense for sure. But I mean, be, but,
1: how, how much does that you predicate? Want see, yeah, have, you want to see him? Can he be a point guard? If you want to see, exactly. Next level. People want to see if he can like score off the dribble and things like that. Yeah, no. I Do a lot of that. I don't know if exactly.
2: Yeah, you're right. You're right. He'll be asked to do a little bit more, a little bit different stuff, yeah. for sure, for sure tough it's gonna be he's got a tough decision mm-hmm. a good decision but a tough decision yeah do you guys good. really he's, think it's that
0: tough like do you guys think it's that tough of a decision for him
1: for kyrie yeah because i don't think he's in a i don't i don't know if he's a first rounder right yeah, but if I mean? he gets that's the feedback I
2: mean. he's he should go i if he's, a, if he's what he's, if he gets the
0: feedback point. that he's a first round pick he should go in harpy yeah Probably,
2: you know, yeah
1: that's i think that's what everybody tries to do but i it was funny we were talking to uh uh, Jeff Andersonley the director of ops and um when they were when they were putting together the boards I think they they i think they took away they took out eight mock drafts and um just made an aggregate of all of them <laughs> and this is gonna make you guys laugh but uh they've made an aggregate of like these eight mock drafts like the i guess really prominent ones or whatever have you and then they presented them to Kyrie and they're like yeah these six right here have you as a first rounder um, but in total, there were, I think the number was 54. There were 54 players in projected to go <laughs> in the out of the eight mock drafts, there were right? Four players, <laughs> four different players, projected to go in the first round. Now, for those that don't know the math of the NBA draft, there are 230, thirty-two thirty-team rounds. So you're, you, you get right, you know, what I mean, you're not, there's not 54 first round picks. So it's you like the have old, like.
0: It's like the old "dig Vitale, That kid's are that kid's an all American. That kid's all, like there's only so many all American spots,
1: man.
2: Exactly. Like, exactly. Exactly. Well, now now that I know they're doing that, I'm gonna create my own mock draft. Right. A couple of them under different names. I'm definitely gonna keep Kyrie out. So <laughs> well, the accurate. aggregate goes way down. I'm gonna put some randos in the first round just to beef up that number. Because some I'm of saying, these, guys, it's some not these guys, hopefully, these like... guys are just like. Yahoo's. I mean, I'm a Yahoo, but I mean, some of the guys doing these mock drafts probably have no idea what they're doing. Sure. And, you know, people act like that's gospel. It's like, no. There's like maybe one guy that's connected to NBA offices that does that. Yeah, that's, the, the,
1: that's the thing. So, uh, most of the mock drafts are like trying to, they just watch film. Yeah, they like just watch what a couple of guys do. But... but you don't know what <laughs> NBA GMs are trying to do as far as yeah. the fit they're looking for and things like that. Exactly. You know, the feedback that Kyrie's gotten from what I've heard is that. There are a few teams that like him for his current skill set right now as it is, um, but there's also some teams that don't necessarily have a spot for that. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, they're just styles of play that, like, first of all, he's a spot up shooter, so they're gonna. Uh, you think think of teams that want a guy who can play really good defense, but also offensively isn't gonna demand the ball. Is just gonna kind of sit in the corner and can knock down an open three if 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 the ball finds it type of deal, um, you know, in a, in a system where there's a lot of movement, a lot of, you know, a lot of off ball movement, a lot of creating your own shot and things like that. That's not, that's not something that's conducive to Kyrie's game right now. So that's kind of what he's not necessarily a fit for every NBA team right now. And that's kind of what the deal
0: is. Yeah. And that's why I just have no clue. Like I don't really watch the NBA, but the only time I watch the NBA is about this time of year. Right. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm like a lot of the casual NBA fan that just my interest kind of ramps up during uh, the postseason or whatever, but I don't know what those teams are and what they look for, or what they don't look for. You know what I mean? I know everybody wants LeBron or that type of alpha uh, on the court, but what are the teams that a guy like Kareem, his skill set could could benefit? Um, you know, as a, as a supporting as a supporting piece. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I've heard like teams like Houston, uh, teams like Oklahoma City. Just think of teams with like ball dominant players. Yeah. Um, that play a lot of isolation basketball and, you know, driving kick and stuff like that. Cleveland is one right now, but, you know, with LeBron uh, having control of his own destination next year, Cleveland's not necessarily a spot that maybe Kyrie fits next year if LeBron leaves, you know, that sort of thing. So sure, it's one of those situations where it's going to be a bigger evaluation than it's, it's I guess it's not as easy as just saying, well, you know, six out of the eight mock drafts have me in the first round and then, five GMs told me they'd, they'd pick me if I was there like there's a lot that goes into it and there's a lot of risk so I think it's a situation where he is gonna have to get as much information as possible and it is gonna be a difficult decision. I think it's I, I honestly feel like when you when you just compare the last three times Creighton has gone through this uh, with, with Doug McDermott, Justin Patton and now with Kyrie Thomas, I think Kyrie has the toughest decision of the three of them huh. um, I think Justin's wasn't was the easiest um because he was a solid first round he was a solid first rounder and potentially the only question with him was whether it was lottery or not um Doug was again I feel like solid first round and then you felt like if he, the big east could vault him into a lottery which it eventually did but um that was necess- that wasn't necessarily a decision that was I, I think that the hardest decision for Doug was leaving was leaving Creighton um, and that's what we found out in hindsight. But I think with Kyrie, Kyrie's decision had a lot of risk to it in terms of where he might fall. Because I think he has the biggest, I think he has the biggest floor of the three in terms of where he might fall in the draft.
0: Sure, I mean, huh.
1: like I think Doug was a complete player. You knew what you were getting with that. And then Justin had so much raw potential that he was a first rounder, no doubt about it. Whether he was a lottery pick or not was the only question. With Kyrie, there's a chance if he doesn't, if, if you know the select few teams that have told him they like him um and that they would pick him if if something else falls their way, you know, if a player falls their way or if a trade gets made or you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Um he there's potential that he could fall to the second round, so when when and when that happens, you know, I think that's a situation where you feel like you should have come back, but um, so it is going to be a really tough decision, and I think of the last three times that Creighton has dealt with this, uh, he's the tough decision of the three, in my opinion. Well,
0: it's great, though. I mean, we talk about it being good for the program to have this constantly be an issue, but, I mean, gosh, this was never a thing, you know, for Blue Jay yeah. basketball. And now you've mm-hmm. got faces kind of emblazoned on the championship center court walls, and you've got guys constantly being talked about now as – do I stay or do I go that that helps that recruiting pitch to whether it's a grad transfer or a regular transfer or any of these high school guys that we might be in on um, we've started to get a nice little reputation as a school that's turning out some some NBA prospects so you know yeah, it's, it's good awesome. gonna to continue
1: because because Jacob everson's a seven foot dude who can run the floor and shoot threes and I mean it's not going to change he's he's gonna have he probably has the highest ceiling of anybody in the gym right now not not you know, maybe even a higher ceiling than Kyrie. Honestly, yeah. Um, just when you look yeah. at his his current skill set right now, and um, you figure with with some strength and conditioning, what that might turn into, it's kind of it's kind of interesting to think about his ceiling. So, I don't think it's one of those things where you talk about it being, um, you know, some schools get like that once in a generation type of talent, and I think everybody thought that's what Doug McDermott was, and you know, and then all of a sudden, everybody's questioning. Well, can Mac actually recruit these type of guys, or did he just get lucky that his, you know, that his son turned into an NBA, NBA first round pick? And now you're starting to see. Well, he, he can recruit him. He can develop him. Um, this whole staff can. And there's kind of a track record being laid, the foundation being laid for. You know, you have Justin Patton now. You got Kyrie Thomas in the wings. You know, Jacob Epperson um, you know, currently looks like a guy who certainly passes the eye test of a guy who could be a potentially a first round draft pick one day, um, and so on and so on. So the more guys that keep coming to this gym, they look a lot different than the guys
2: that used to be in the gym.
0: Man, right? Nothing against those older yeah. guys, but this is a whole <laughs> yeah. other whole other crop.
2: I'm actually, I've actually been talking to Johnny Etawa a lot uh, over the last week, and I, I'm, I'm, uh-oh, that just exactly what you're talking about. How? you know has developed uh some pretty elite nba talent i mean first round nba talent with non you know elite recruits and i was kind of digging through some of the research and i found that uh, over the last four years only michigan and uh potentially gonzaga have sent more non five-star players into the first round of the nba draft than creighton and uh, gonzaga's got a couple guys yeah, Gonzaga's got a you know, that Rui Hachimura and Killian Tilly, projected first round guys either this year, or next year, uh, but Gonzaga's only sent you know Gonzaga's had a three star and a four star go in the first round. Hmm. Um, Michigan's had four, uh, three, four stars and a three star go in the first round. Creighton's had a three star and a four star. Utah's actually had a two three stars and a not ranked player. So Creighton, Utah, Gonzaga, Michigan do the most with the least recruiting talent, let's say. Um, but even mm-hmm. if you look at the players they're getting i mean gonzaga's getting a high four-star recruit michigan's getting high four-star recruits creighton you know Patton was obviously um fairly you know highly recruited at the end of his career but mcdermott wasn't recruited very well Patton wasn't or thomas wasn't ranked up whatsoever really by any services so mm-hmm. for what creighton gets it it really does turn it into pretty elite talent and, you know it's, you can only use the oh they lucked into this talent so often you know i mean Thomas was out there. I mean, he was a pro player and a you know on the AAU circuit. I mean, coaches saw him. They just didn't see what Max sees him or really Patton either. I mean, that guy came out of nowhere, you know. So, um, you know, Creighton's really done a really good job with what they're with what they're getting and turning it into pro potential. I think that does resonate with recruits, um, which is why you're seeing guys like Dalek and Alexander come here. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you but saw yeah. Sam
1: Froling, like,
2: yeah, exactly. You know,
1: Sam Froling sees Justin Patton and he sees. He sees what Jacob Everson has become in a few short months as far as his strength and conditioning. His physique is gone. And he's like, yeah, sign me up for that. So, you know, that's a guy who has, Sam Prolin's a guy who has NBA aspirations. I know, I know Marcus Egorowski, with his older brother in the league right now, um, certainly has those himself. So, well,
2: I think you know, just I, in general, I, know, I
1: mean, is not recruiting guys that want to be, you know, that don't want, that don't have. NBA aspirations or now. pro I mean
2: yeah how many guys how many guys 10 years ago could say they wanted to play professional basketball
1: yeah exactly that's the kind of guys creating z- recruiting now that's that's the new world so, so Joey, you aspiration you
0: feel like we're gonna hear some things between now and maybe next Monday on on some of these uh, on some of these guys uh,
2: uh, yes with the caveat of maybe the staff is waiting for other dominoes to fall uh, okay. if they feel like they can uh, table some of these players uh, you know I, I feel like getting a guy like Flynn in on campus next week you know tells me that they, you know he's a priority for them obviously getting Cremo in t- this uh, weekend was a priority for them so I, I think if if you know some of those if some of the main guys that they want if, if they're ready to commit and not look elsewhere I do think Creighton will strike but um, uh, you know things happen other guys want to go some other uh, other place and I, I do think that You know, it's getting late in the process, but I do think you'll still. I think there's still time to hear some more movement from other players, either leaving their school. So, you know, I think.
1: uh, Oh
2: no.
1: I think I'm pretty proud of myself. You have no idea what you've just done, Joey.
2: I I, I'm very excited that I waited till almost an hour in, at least on my clock, that I haven't even mentioned the name Mike Dom uh, on this podcast. But (laughs) I just hear about. There we go. It has to be out there, right? We've we've you know we've held it back for so long, but a guy like my Dom, you know, if he decides to leave South Dakota, I think Creighton stands a really good chance to at least be in the discussion for a player like him. Obviously, with Harrell leaving, uh, there's a spot open for him to take uh, <laughs> some minutes in that front court. Um, lots Jeez. of people have people have reached out with questions of, well, what does Creighton do in the front court without Harrell? And that's obviously a concern. I mean, you you spoke about Epperson, who was played, you know. Some significant but limited minutes. Uh, should, we get court- to, should we just
1: get to the questions? So. Yeah, yeah let's, I mean, let's,
2: that's what I'm kind of tabling. It question into,
0: one: When oh, is okay. Mike Dom coming to crate <laughs> <Yeah,
2: laughs> I mean, there, there's definitely been smoke. He I mean, I'm, never, I'm probably he throws
0: never out there. Come on now.
2: Never. I've probably put out a lot of that smoke, but there, there's definitely there's definitely tea leaves that suggest that he's at least considering you know his options. And I mean, why wouldn't he consider his option? I mean, if he's thinking about going to the NBA, he should at least take a solid look internally of what I could get out of other schools for one year. Uh, really, that would be naive to think that he's not thinking about going elsewhere. I mean, I can't imagine a guy like Doug McDermott, you know, obviously with his dad coaching here, it would never happen. But if Doug's dad was not our coach and Doug could leave for a year while we were in the Valley, I think Doug would have been stupid not to look at, you know, playing for a Duke for a year. That would have highly helped his suck. I mean, we were beneficial that we moved to leagues to help him boost his stock. But I mean, it was continually said that Doug came back to prove himself in the big East. Why does that rule not apply to a guy like Mike Dom? You know, I mean, why, why does why does that not filter to, to somebody like him who has a game that people don't think could translate to a higher, you know, league. I mean, that's continually what we said about McDermott. So, I mean, that's a pipe dream. Obviously if, uh, if Dom were to leave, uh, you know, obviously that would be the answer for the front court. Um, And there's a couple other players that I've heard um, have have interest in maybe grad transferring. Uh, There's a player up in in Detroit, uh, Detroit Mercy recently lost their coach. Cameron Chapman is a um, former five-star player at Michigan that ended up transferring to Detroit. He's a, you know, six foot nine stretch four or five player who can hit the three. That's somebody that has entered his name into the NBA draft without hiring an agent that could be eligible for a grad transfer and, without Detroit having a coach, you know, if he decides to come back to school, that's a guy's name who you might see on, 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 the, on the market. And, uh, on, and actually a local kid uh, from, from Kyrie's, one of Kyrie Thomas's teammates in high school, a thick bowl, uh, went oh, to yeah. uh, Duke for his first two years, uh, and then ended up transferring to SLU, had a, had a really good initial year, junior year at Southern Illinois. Um, and there's lots of turmoil around that program right now. He sees ending injury in November. Uh, so he sat out all this year. He's eligible for a grad transfer. Uh, SIU has been really, uh, it's been quiet on that front. That said, uh, Dick is a six foot eight center, uh, averaged three blocks a game at SIU last year or two years ago. So I mean, that, that's a guy that, you know, if he wanted to come home and play for a year, there, there's some, there's has depth to a, you know, a young front line questions with a returning crample after an injury and, a young fuller who might not be, uh, you know, uh, you know, he's obviously going to be thin like Jacob was and Jacob's got questions too. You know, he, can Jacob play 30 minutes a game? Maybe not right away. Uh, so I do think that they need to address their front line. There's not much out there right now that I think Creighton would be, you know, ecstatic to get, you know, the grad transfers out there, the guys that are eligible immediately. There's not many big guys out there. And obviously those guys are tougher to find. I mean, we mm-hmm. took Manny Suarez last year and, uh, you know, at, at this moment, that's kind of what's out there right now. So, um, you know, Creighton's got to get a little creative with what they do because the guys they're really heavy on are the wings, and um, Ronnie leaving does leave a hole. That said, I, I'm fully confident that Ronnie's decision wasn't made over the last week. Pretty sure the staff knew well ahead of time uh, that Ronnie was going to be uh, leaving campus. And so I think they've been able to work on this and, and triage that problem for a while now. So I don't think this is a surprise to them. I don't think they're scrambling on the internet looking for a six foot nine guy to put on the roster. I think they've known this for a while. So uh, I think that you know things are in place, and that's why I think maybe we won't hear anything on some of these other transfer fronts right away because you don't want to grab you know two guard transfers and then all of a sudden a guy like Thick Bowl being available and you've got no room for him. So yeah, so we'll you know we'll kind of see how that filters down.
1: Was that the Mike Dom question? Was that what that was?
2: Yeah, I mean, I get Mike Dom questions all the time, and I I, I think that that would be yeah. a very good pickup for Creighton University. He's not officially. he's not leaving. I mean, that's that's next that's, question.
1: I just wanted I just wanted want out there so people can hear me say that, so that like they're not like staying, but you know, uh, I, with, like banking on it. Don't bank on that. Bank oh, I'm not,
2: a, I don't think nobody should nobody should go to bed thinking Creighton, Creighton will be. Rolling out Mike down at the four next year. All I'm saying is that I, I think he's looking. I think he's behind the scenes looking what's available to him and what he could do. I, I do think that he's doing that. I'll say that. That's I'll, I, yeah. I definitely think he's looking around. So,
0: what's the next question on the list?
2: Uh, Ed, Ed Chang.
0: Chang. Ooh, Ed Chang. Oh, I had yeah, somebody yeah. ask me about that today. I was like, wait, PF Chang? No, Ed. I okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, Washington. Eight. Class of 18, class of 19, went out to prep school, something weird, right? What's happening yeah, with he Ed was, Chang?
2: Yeah, he was a class of 17 kid that Creighton, was, you know, was pretty invested in. You know, I think that, uh, you know, without throwing too much, you know, information out there, our, our guy, Jacob Padilla, who covers yeah. Nebraska High School Hoops pretty close, um, you know, when I talked to him. Uh, yeah know, it seemed like Ed Chang kind of his 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 growth of you know being a complete player kind of stunted a little bit, which is why I think why he reclassified and went to prep school out in Washington. Um, and because so, I just think that you know he didn't really elevate his game. He kind of liked to hang around the three point line and and shoot a lot and not really develop much of an interior game. kind of the scatter on him. and and so I, I haven't really followed him at all after he left uh, the state and and went out to Washington. It seemed like that was somewhere he was happy. They had a coaching change. And I thought, you know, I, I, I couldn't see him leaving, but over the last week, he's decommitted from, from that school. And um, Creighton's reached out. As um, has Nebraska. And I think Oklahoma state offered him a scholarship. Wow. The tough thing is, I mean, he's, he plays similar to um, similar position. as Cre- You really wonder uh, if both those guys could coexist on the roster next year. I mean, does, does ed chang or christian bishop offer you that much on the roster next year you know uh if if it comes down to to grabbing a a proven player like a a kobe McEwen or um you know a malachi flynn or an ed chang i think it's pretty clear you you take the proven transfer to sit out a year and 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 pass on chang because you already have a player like christian bishop who plays the the three four that that chang would play Mm -hmm. and that said i think i think chang would fit in really well at nebraska if i'm being honest uh I think that uh, they have spots, and they have um, some some yeah, they have some spots. Some Nebraska, colon, it,
0: Nebraska ball, colon, we have spots. I, yeah,
2: and, yeah. and to be honest, I think they could roster. use. I think they could use the good publicity of grabbing an Omaha kid. So I think that when when I look at that situation, I think that you know Nebraska would be very dumb not to really look at Ed Shang. I think that he's a pretty good player, uh, you know, um, and and obviously uh, coming back home, I think he wants to stay in this area. Kind of from what I've heard, so so we'll kind of see how that plays out. Um, I'd be I would be surprised if, um, uh, if if Creighton you know dropped their transfer targets and went after Ed Chang. That said, uh, he's eligible immediately and he's he's you know taller than six foot six, so you know he would give you a little bit something on the you know front court, I, I guess you could say. But I, I don't think he's their answer at the power forward uh, no. moving into next year.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting situation. I kind of wonder what. That whole year was about for him, just because I thought he, you know, he committed to Washington. They went out there, and I thought that was like whole, you know, for a purpose. And it feels like, well, now I have uh, a bunch of questions. Now I have a bunch of questions about why that was done.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously he went out there to be closer to the coaching staff. I mean, after a year closer to the coaching staff, were they not sold on his abilities? Is right. is, is a question, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, you, you wonder. Yeah, uh, you know, Nebraska high school is obviously not uber competitive when compared to some of the other hotbeds of basketball. I mean, he probably thought he needed to get out to prove himself and maybe he wasn't as dominant as he was here. And so yeah, you, you do have your questions. I mean, obviously I think Creighton's had Ed Chang in the gym with their team at some point. So I think they have a pretty good grasp on what he can bring to the, to the table. Um, So, so, you know, if they, if they think he's a guy that can add a lot, then, then, I'm all for grabbing Omaha players when everything else is equal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I just don't think that um, you pass on a guy like McEwen or Flynn to grab an Ed Cheng. I think that would be silly.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Unless, 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 and I hate to keep riding the fence here, but unless it's one of those things where, like you said before, um, do you worry about taking a transfer that potentially will steal minutes from a guy you've already recruited as a freshman? Or do you turn the freshman and let him ride the, let him fall in line behind everybody else and wait? To
2: yeah, but, but what are you saying to Christian Bishop at that point? I mean, you, you brought him in there to play that. So, yeah. I mean, you're bringing in Chang to directly compete for his minutes. And so, I mean, these are all good problems to have and, and problems that I'm over the moon that Creighton is dealing with at this point of having, you know, players that cause other players concern. I mean, that's what you want from a program, guys to push other guys. But, I just don't think you take Chang who has a very similar game to Christian Bishop. Uh, you know, it just doesn't seems redundant to me in the same class to do that and it just I feel like it wouldn't work out. Those guys, you know, I don't think they could alter their game. I don't think Bishop could play more in the backcourt or I don't think Bishop could play center. I think they play exactly the same position, so mm. um yeah, and you wonder if 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 Ed Chang was willing to come to Creighton and Bishop was willing to come to Creighton, did Creighton choose Bishop over Chang to begin with? But but Creighton's been out there and has contacted him, according to a couple of the pretty tight end sources in the Midwest. And so you know, I think I think Creighton's leaving everything on the table. And you know, you, you never know. Maybe Creighton will have more spots to fill. Yeah, you know, so maybe a guy like Chang would make sense long term. But I just don't think he's a priority right now for them. Yeah, I agree.
0: What's the next question?
2: uh speaking of priority some guy asked what's the current priority order uh for grad transfers and transfers overall uh i kind of touched on this a little bit but i I do think the priority uh regardless whether Kyrie leaves or stays is is uh crema mooney and then zach johnson i would say that's the kind of order they go in they have also been on a few uh transfers that haven't gotten official visits they were on nat dixon who's a grad transfer from chattanooga i think he's um, visiting some schools in the south, so they've they've re- reached out to him, uh, so he, he's a guy on their radar too. And then, and then there is a, a, a you know a grad transfer from Colorado. Tori uh, Tory uh, Miller is from the KC area. Went out and played at Colorado for four years, he averaged about 20 minutes a game, six and four. So he's a big body that you know if you're looking to grab somebody to 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 play some minutes in the in the in the front court, Tory Miller is a, a name to maybe watch out for who's eligible immediately uh, he's a, a bigger load you know he's a, a big guy so he he, he um, presents something different than what we have in froling and epperson and, and crample maybe not overly skilled but it's kind of a name to watch out for as well
1: yeah where i guess where do you rank the if you throw them all in the same grouping um, all the grad transfers and all the sit one play two guys
2: um yeah so again I'm kind of getting really – I think these anal- these Ken Palm analytics are, are very helpful when kind of sorting through players who play in you know really diverse conferences. But uh, Cremo and Malachi Flynn are actually the top two rated transfers on the market right now. Yep. Um, and I would probably say those would be what I would think Creighton would be heavily after. Uh, a guy like Kobe McEwen might be a better player in terms of stats than a guy like Flynn. I just think you have pieces on your roster – for the next three years that play exactly where, what Kobe McEwen can give you. Um, he's a six foot four guard who can play the point. I mean, that, I mean, that that's exactly what Mitch Ballack and Tyshawn Alexander are. So I, I just think, I think a guy like McEwen would be very similar to the other two that said, I asked that question directly to people close to the team and they said that is not a concern of theirs whatsoever. So um, I just think a guy like Flynn would complement you a little bit better from, from, from a diversity standpoint, from, from skill set. Um, but he, you know Flynn plays pretty similar to Zgurowski, so I mean they're the same about the same size. So you know you're 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 kind of splitting hairs for that. But I would say Cremo and Flynn are your are your two guys that I think they're the hottest on, or I would say the top two. And and hey, those are the guys that Creighton's bringing in over the next couple of days. So I think that speaks volumes as well.
1: Yeah, those were my top two as well.
2: But but again, I'm actually I actually really like Matt Mooney. I saw him play a couple times, and uh, I like I said I know he's had. Uh, some issues where he's rubbed people the wrong way or he's, you know, he's definitely a fiery player. Uh, You know, I think there's something to be said for how we ended the year that we just lacked some fire, um, you know, on our team. And, you know, you hate to bring in a guy that's a grad transfer to to bring that for you, but I I think he would add a different dimension in terms of um, that toughness or grit or desire or want to that, you know, we were all talking about when we lost to K-State that we just seem to lack. I think he possesses that quality that, you know, you know, you know, on on the, the non-statistical quality that we're, we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so he's a guy I, I really do think that would fit in well, uh, but you worry about the, and I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I mean, you just worry about the, the makeup of the culture and the, how the guys relate to him and that kind of thing. So.
1: Well, it's interesting because just on the few interviews I've seen from Cremo and the, and the few games I've seen, I feel like he's that type of guy as well. I mean, he, he seems like he has the attitude of a guy who just.
2: I think wants he's self. So- yeah, he's. I think he's self confident, but I don't think yeah. he's cocky. I think I think Mooney's cocky, but I mean Mooney. Yeah. Those guys, the, all, all these guys we talk about, does you know they they back it up. They can they can be cocky. Um, the the question is when you step up in, from competition of the Albanys and the South Dakotas, you know, when mm-hmm. you to the Big East, does that cockiness. Um, you know is it does it diffuse differently you know if if you're not hitting your shots or you can't get to the rim like you could in those other leagues you want you know some guy who's not gonna be a head case and I'm not saying these guys would be I just you have to definitely weigh that into the to the uh, to the equation as well
1: he's throwing Andrew Rousey shade right now I mean I mean
2: (laughs) yeah I mean a guy like Rousey I mean yeah we all hated to play him but I mean that guy you know sometimes you need a little bit of that fire and you know I mean I, you know, I hope, he also, I hope he, also,
1: the, he also rubbed guys the wrong way on his own team, and that's coaches, true. So, yeah. yeah, so it's one of those things. It is a, it is a, it is a delicate situation, it's a Makes very sense. delicate
2: situation. And I do, I do think Creighton's at a very, I mean, I said this last year when we were talking about the UMass kids. Um, who I think you know, looking back on it, would still wouldn't have been a bad pull for Creighton at this point. I think we would have been a little bit better off in the front court had we had Gresham and Giroux, would have been uh, an interesting yeah, case, but just, just yeah, going back. Sure. Yeah, just going back. But, you know, I think this is a very – these are some important players to grab because uh, I do think that Creighton has set itself up for uh, a very good, uh, you know, I don't want to look too far ahead, but when Balak and Epperson and Alexander and Zagorowski, when those guys are upperclassmen, I think Creighton can really do some damage. So having the foresight to set yourself up in those years without mortgaging too much of these, you know, this year or the next year, Mm-hmm. Um, but still being successful is is an a, an important time because you want to optimize that Epperson, Balak, Alexander, Zagorowski, Froley. You want you want to maximize that those classes. And, and I feel like uh, if you look at some of the other schools in the Big East, you know they 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 take some lumps with some some of those guys to let those guys get some experience so that when they're juniors and seniors, they they've been there done that before. And I would really hate for Creighton to, you know, and I don't think they will. And I think they're smarter than me with this. But just you know, I would hate for them to. To, to mortgage those experiences just to be a bubble team this next year, uh, per se.
0: Next yeah, question. Sense.
2: Other questions talking about controlling contribute day one. I mean, all the video you see of that kid is, um, you know, when when you're playing international basketball, I mean, seeing him play against teams from Cambodia or the Philippines or New Zealand, I mean, there's just no competition for him, so it's difficult to see how his game translates. He got pretty good reviews when he came over and played in the, you know, these Nike Hoop Summits where they play, they pick countries versus countries and have all the top prospects play. He yeah. got some pretty good reviews but there, he's like you said.
1: Some evaluators looking at him over here, he's gotten good reviews as well. So it's not yeah, he's clear, crafty. But he's, yeah,
2: but <clears throat> but he's thin, just like Epperson was. So I think it'll be it'll be. uh I race against time to see how much weight he can add to to bang around. So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I definitely think he plays more of a four than a five. So, so if he can get ready, I think there's obviously playing time at this moment available for him. So, no, that's definitely <clears throat> it's definitely something that uh, should motivate him to to hit it hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you got any other questions that were posed to you? That was kind of the the most.
1: I think he had an Elmar one on there somewhere. Ooh,
2: yeah. There.
1: Yeah. Soccer. <laughs> Someone snuck one in. Um. Well,
2: yeah, see. I think. Uh, I think he's a. Pr- I think that kid is a, a potential Creighton recruit. So I think. Uh, yeah, I was
1: gonna say. I'm pretty sure the number in his handle is his age. So I'm pretty sure a 14 year old just asked you if he could play for Creighton.
2: I mean. <laughs> um. I, I, I'm yeah. not, I think that's what just happened. Just so tell him answer. yes, sir. I mean, definitely. I'll i mean, tell, yeah.
0: tell him what I tell my oldest, who last week told me he wants to be the first ever player to play basketball and soccer for Creighton. I said, you got to work hard. got to work hard yeah. and just focus. Exactly. You really? never know what will happen.
1: You know, at least you know the sports won't overlap, so he has an opportunity if he wants to.
2: I think college soccer is going to be much different in a couple of years than yeah. it is right now. So I, I yeah. don't really – yeah, I don't know how much uh, – for, you know, inside, I can, I can tell him uh, on what, on uh, what Creighton's going to be looking for. And, uh, you know, I, you know, Elmar coach Bolovich is, uh, you know, he's not young. Uh, they've been grooming Johnny Torres to be the head coach for numerous years. And I, I think that that, uh, I think Johnny Torres won't have many more years until he's the head coach of Creighton soccer, which is exciting.
0: You heard it here first. Johnny yeah, Torres much taking over the reins.
2: I mean, if he doesn't after Coach Bolovich leaves, no, then I, I think there's, there's going to be fisticuffs here. So no, I know. I know. that guy, That guy is – going to be fisticuffs. He, I will, like you say, Matt, when people talk about Kyrie, I will fight somebody if somebody tells me that Johnny, Kors, Johnny Torres should not be the head coach of Creighton after <laughs> Elmore leaves. You're going
1: to throw hands,
2: huh? I'm going to throw hands. That guy's my guy.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Uh, there's a local question, I guess, for – um, Creighton prep yeah. kid, a cold a uh, rop, right? Yeah, uh, Cole, rap. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and the, and the Omaha South kid was committed to the, to Nebraska, but they did they rescind or did I forgot? They now the they
2: car, they, right? they they rescinded their offer, and he went yeah. down to play a your prep school at that at that uh, academy in Atlanta. And and I there's been a couple kids from Nebraska that have gone down to that academy, and they've definitely improved their stock. I still don't think Creighton, uh, I don't think they're Big East level players. And that's you know, it's it's mm-hmm. difficult because I I definitely think that you know, the Omaha kids or the kids from Nebraska should be given the benefit of the doubt when it comes to Creighton. And I don't think we should just poo-poo them off because we don't see them as big East players. I mean, Kyrie for many people was not was not a big East type player. And I'm not saying that these kids are Kyrie, but Kyrie, Kyrie wasn't a big East player
1: for you many you, you
2: you don't want to make those mistakes with Omaha kids. So what I'll say is with with the kids from Omaha, whether it's uh, the rope kids or Sharif Mitchell, you do your homework times two and you make sure if you offer, or you don't offer that you're a hundred percent sure that that kid is not going to come back and bite you. Cause you don't want those guys going to Nebraska or going to UNO or going to South Dakota state and becoming stars because then you would, would not, would not, would not look good. It would not look good.
1: Like for the rosters <laughs> to solidify. Mike Dom.
2: <laughs> I mean, what no, if? What if? Yeah. What if? I mean, if you brought Kyrie and Mike Dom, I mean, do you win a national title? I'm just throwing that out there. It's not happening. Um, you win the Big East for sure. Yeah, next year. Do you win the Big
1: East for sure? Next a pretty to the, the national champion is the Big East champion, so like, you're pretty much answering the same question.
2: I mean, I, I think you win the Big East if you have Mike Dom and Kyrie on, on the team. I'm just saying that. You can roll out whoever else you want.
1: I feel like if you can win the Big East, you can win the national championship. That's, like, the same – to me, that's the same question. And when people ask me that, I'm like, they can, you know, they can win the Big East, but what, what it will take to get to the national level? I'm, like, I'm pretty sure you're answering the same question because the Big East is an animal. And if you win an 18-team grinder, I'm pretty sure you can handle a 16 tournament after that. So God, you know,
2: dude, Xavier would argue differently.
1: Yeah. But Xavier, yeah, but Xavier did what they did when <laughs> Xavier was good. But when Xavier wasn't good, he went to the lead eights. So, like, yeah,
2: like, no, I, I hear you.
1: I hear so you. Weird.
2: I'm, I'm just sorry. saying it's a possibility.
1: Villanova, Villanova made that stuff look easy this year, so yeah, you know,
2: they, they did.
1: finished second in the league. They finished second yeah. in the league, even though they smoked Xavier twice. And then they made that stuff look Let's easy, be honest, like historically the... easy.
0: Villanova was the people's champ in the Big East this like, uh, year. no kidding. Yeah, exactly. Chris Mack can go to Louisville, whatever.
1: <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, I think, but it, you know, just to touch on the top, get back on the topic, I guess, I don't think Creighton is in a position where they're gonna have I mean I hear it a lot in soccer that that uh, you know Creighton kind of ignores the community and things like that in terms of developing talent or playing UNO or whatever it is that people are angry about that given day. But I think Creighton basketball is in a really good position um, with the community and I don't think it's gonna change anytime soon. I mean I think with the with the way they've embraced the community, with the way they've developed local talent um, I don't see that changing very soon. I mean, you go back to Josh Jones, Antoine Young, Josh Doetler, um, you know Doug McDermott, uh, Kyrie Thomas, Justin Patton. Like the list goes on and on about guys that have had successful careers that have been from Omaha, that have stuck around Omaha, that continue to be a part of the Creighton and Omaha community. I think it's one of those things where Creighton has a pretty solid footing in in embracing the community that it it currently resides. So.
2: Yeah, and that's that. Yeah, and I think there's definitely some kids from Omaha that are gonna be getting offers from Creighton here over the next couple of years. So, and again, I just think that you make sure that you don't lose that pipeline and you don't lose the, break that confidence with the community because mm. um, because it's definitely served Creighton well. And I, I, you know, I, it, it's you know Creighton's definitely Omaha's team when it comes to basketball for sure. And I would yeah. say, yeah, it's not even a question.
0: You're on you're on fire tonight yeah, so throwing I these barbs. You're on fire tonight, Joey, with these subtle little yeah. jabs.
2: It's nice. We could have
1: had a soccer podcast. We could have had a soccer podcast when UNO hired Warming. We could have had yeah. Joey really, really fired
2: up. I mean, that losing Mims for them was big. Warming is as a home run hire, mm-hmm. and and he'll he'll probably you know keep that ship steady for a few years. But I mean, he retired from coaching at Penn State. So, I mean, I think he's doing this, you know, he's doing Mims a favor because obviously I think Mims felt pretty crummy about leaving, you know, he, he had built that program. So I think, you know, I don't think warming's giving them four or five years. So we'll see how that goes, but um, yeah, I mean, of, uh, it's, it's a great if, hire.
1: If Creighton, doesn't, if Creighton doesn't play them a lot in those four or five years, that's going to that's gonna start some fires.
2: Yeah, I mean to be honest, the Summit's not a bad league for soccer. There's some pretty good competition oh. in that league, so they 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 could. I mean, I would say the Summit's better than the Valley was for when Creighton was in it. So I mean, there's the opportunity to have the, those kind of runs, and I mean all the Creighton dodging U N O stuff. You know, I, I don't I don't think that you know I think that Creighton should uh, play U N O, and I don't think Creighton really has an, uh, an opportunity to to dodge them because. Uh, the way college soccer is seated in the NCAA tournament, you play teams closest to you. And so Creighton will be facing off with UNO whether they like it or not if they make the tournament every once in a while. So it's it's unavoidable in my opinion to play UNO. It's just um, you know, can can UNO maintain the success they've had? That'll be the the, the question for them. Mm-hmm.
0: All right guys, anything last uh lastly before we wrap this up. We're going at about an hour and a half right now. So oh, we're <laughs> <I> got <it. sighs>
1: Yeah, I wanted to talk a little baseball, but I think we've 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 touched on a lot that I think people will get to that next time. Yeah, I think with the
0: with the Jays uh out of town this upcoming weekend too, maybe we wait for another um Wait for another uh conference well, weekend to and,
1: and, plus, and plus Alex and I are doing those blue hit beats for yeah baseball. So yeah we'll, I don't, have, a, we'll, have, a baseball, we'll have a baseball podcast next time.
2: Clayton uh, didn't play this weekend, did they? Uh, I, don't they I don't think I don't think I don't think they played baseball this weekend. Just they didn't. I don't think that happened.
0: They went they <laughs> oh, yeah, went they
2: somewhere. They no, the Yeah. I think they, they just traveled. I don't think they went anywhere. Yeah, I don't know. think they the played. No.
0: Brutal three game sweep at the hands That's of awesome. the Saint John's Johnnies.
2: I mean you got to win your conference, guys. You got to win your conference.
0: Yeah, you can we'll win. We're going get into it. <laughs> no, I mean if it's one you're gonna of those win, things
1: it. where it's like Creighton's already got 20 wins, and I didn't think they would get 20 wins this year. So um, at this point, they've met expectations, uh, or maybe even exceeded <laughs> them. It's one of those things where uh, I think I don't think it's panic time for getting swept by St. John's. I think it's one of those things where you just kind of realize St. John's is the team that has it all together in the Big East. I mean, they're 6-0 right now, and they have the pitching, the defense, and while they haven't always scored runs consistently, they certainly have the bats. Um, so I think that's the, that's the cream of the crop in the league right now. Uh, and I think with Creighton's pitching questions, you know, you just wondered how they stacked up, and you found out. So uh, it's one of those things where Creighton has an opportunity to do something about it, because I think you know, Preston Church has gotten himself right, and he's pitching outstanding. I think he'll be back in the weekend rotation now. Along with Ryan Tappany, who's been great on Fridays, um, so you got two out of the three days on the weekend figured out. You might sacrifice your midweek now. You might, I mean, that Nebraska and that Nebraska game might not be. Well, that's where the Jays get, have made. Some,
0: them, that's so. where they've made some hay this year is those midweek yeah. games. You know, and yeah, that's, exactly. really, yeah. that's really that's really yeah. catapulted them. Um, so yeah, are you willing to? I mean, that's ultimately where a lot of their best RPI matchups or opportunities have been. Has been in those mm-hmm. midweek games. So what do you do there?
1: It's one of those things where Seton Hall really has a good RPI right now. Um, a better one than Nebraska. A better one than any of the teams that Creighton's going to face in the midweek. So, sure. that becomes that becomes a pretty important series. Uh, so, I think you want all hands on deck for that one, which is why I think um, Ed Service wanted to give Preston Church a little bit of a take and then get him into the weekend rotation. And then uh-huh. he pitched outstanding on Sunday. Um, so, I think he's back in the weekend rotation now because they need him going forward, especially after starting – one and four in league play, they have to kind of uh, start to make a run here in, in conference, and I think having your best pitchers in your weekend rotation is where you want it to be now. I mean, he started three he started three midweek games in a row, so um, he got himself right by by picking on Nebraska, Kansas, and Kansas State, and South Dakota State and most teams, so I think it's time to, to throw him into the Big East fire because that's what you wanted him for at the beginning of the year.
0: So when when the Blue Jays head up to South Dakota State uh, a week from this Wednesday, will they bring Mike Dom back with them? That's my question.
2: No. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say maybe. That's a bad (laughs) – So we got. Now you're gonna
1: send like a whole Creighton contingent up there. I know. It's fine. With Mike Dom signs at baseball games.
0: (laughs) Hey, if they show up to baseball games, I'd be fine with that. That's true. Uh, yeah, we took the boys down to the Kansas game. That was pretty fun. Uh, we yeah, got, that
1: was. I mean, record-setting, right? Well, that's back. what I
0: like to. S- I mean, that's the thing that was frustrating for me so far is I understand, Matt, that they've maybe eclipsed expectations a degree with the 20 wins so far, whatever. But, like, I just – a lot of baseball fans around here have just been craving for them to hang a bunch of crooked numbers pretty consistently, and it seems like they've been able to do that, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just – you know, can they put it together with the pitching too and the defense, which has been—I mean, I haven't even looked at the statistics, but just my gut reaction tells me this is probably their worst defensive performance through thirty-some games that they've had in a long time. Is that safe uh, to say?
1: I think they were worse last year. Yeah. This year, though, I think that I think they've gotten a little bit better this year. A bit better. Um But yeah, maybe you're right. I haven't looked at the stats, so. Um...
2: But they're winning. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Well, that's. I, I mean... I...
1: I just don't. I don't. I don't think I expected them to win the St. John series. Is what I, I. mean, maybe some. Maybe I. Maybe people had other expectations, but I felt like going there, to a team that was you know kind of on a roll, bit of a roll, um, and they've got the reigning Biggie's pitcher of the year. I mean,
0: no, they, I think
1: they, it's they, more. They've got a lot. They've got a lot of talent. So I, I. wasn't expecting them to win. Sunday is. I don't think I can. I can't excuse Sunday because that's that's one they had in the bag. Um, yeah. They kind of wasted. They kind of wasted a great outing from, from Preston Church, who we've talked about already. Um, so that one, I guess, was the stinger of the weekend. But <clears throat> the first two games, I don't think they went – I don't think I was surprised at how those first two games went.
0: No, and maybe it's just how they left St. John's with, with yeah. blowing a three-run three lead in the ninth inning to lose 4-3. Sure. I mean, that's just – that makes a difficult trip home. And yeah. it leaves fans really, you know, bad taste in your mouth. But um, And it doesn't I'm get sure, really man. a ton, ton easier, right? They'll play Tuesday against uh, UNO. Uh, if the weather holds or whatever the hell the weather's doing. Um, And they go out to Cincinnati uh, for three against Xavier. Then they're in Lincoln for one against Nebraska. And then the next night up in Brookings for South Dakota State. So there's quite a bit of uh, road baseball in their future.
1: Yeah, I have a feeling Ed Service, as much as he loves playing baseball, is probably rooting for the weather at this point. (laughs) <laughs> right. I kind of feel like he knows he's got what he has in his pitching staff, and I don't think he's got a lot. So, yeah. I mean, I, I if you told me to pick guys that I trust, um, I would pick three, oh, yeah. and one of them currently has mono, so we we're, we're down to two. So, you know what I mean? It's not one of those things. I mean, Grant Spranger out of the bullpen has been pitching. He's been he's he's had some decent outings, so I guess he's he's moving into that a guy you trust type of position, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Everyone else seems like they've taken their lumps so far. So it's one of those things where church, tappany, and then try to score 10. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's kind of yeah. where I'm at at this point with, with how this team's going to be successful. But right.
0: yeah. Well, there we go. We just did a nice little segue yeah. into uh, one of your guys' next uh,
1: Blue Jay wrap ups or whatever. Yeah. What do you guys yeah, call them? Blue Jay beat, Jesus. Well,
0: I know. I, I didn't know if they'd still be the beat like for baseball.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna call it the Blue Jay Beat. Okay. It's, it's, you know, I just, right, yeah. Maybe, I should. Should I come up with a new name? Do you think? I should no. Come up with no. Feet? I think the Blue
0: no, Jay It's got a. It's got of a. Uh, it's got its own fandom. You know. It does. It's got its own following.
1: We got like hashtag one more pod
2: tweets all the time. People just
0: <laughs> they they tune in thinking is gonna be on all the time. It's pretty great. I
2: know. <laughs> uh, every time I tune in, I'm hoping for Niatawa's voice.
1: All right. <laughs> does have
0: a good voice. Uh, let's end on John Diatawa has a good voice. That's probably a good segue for us to close out the night. Uh, all, right. all right. So the next time we talk, we'll probably have like 20 new grad players on our team and baseball have hung a bunch of 10 spots and everything's going to be good in Blue Jay land. Agree?
1: Let's do it. Okay. I 100% agree. So Mike, Dom,
2: Mike
0: Dom too, right? Mike Dom will be preseason Big East player of the year. All this stuff. It'll be good.
2: I'll say, I'll say maybe.
1: <laughs> I like it. I'm sticking with no.
0: All right. Maybe (laughs) no, and we'll see. All right. For Matt DeMoranis and Joey Tempo, I am Brian Dott signing off tonight for another episode of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. Thanks a lot, Jays fans. Have a great night, and go Jays.